Welcome to Cut to the News Podcast, the weekly podcast from the How to Cut It Network, keeping you on the pulse of the hairdressing and barbering industry with the latest news, stories, and insights. So let's cut to the news with Dom Lehane. Welcome to the Cut to the News Midweeker, and this is where each week we delve into the hottest topics that are igniting conversations within the hair industry. And today I'm thrilled to have two guests who are going to do exactly that. I'm going to be joined by Toby Dicker, who is the co-founder of the Salon Employers Association and its predecessor, Save Our Salons. Toby is a 26-year veteran of the industry who, though not a hairdresser, has a deep passion for the industry and the amazing people in it. Joining Toby is Ruth Lundstrom, founder of the Freelance Suite pricing app, and pricing guru. Ruth is all about empowering stylists and freelancers to know and charge their worth. In this episode today, we will be tackling the big subject of right now, VAT reduction. Why we need this, why we have to stick together. But we're going to kick it all off by learning why the freelancers are feeling misrepresented and misunderstood. So let's dive in today's Cut to the News Midweeker. Welcome along to Cut to the News Midweek, Toby and Ruth. Hello, Dom. Thanks Hi, for having Dom. us on. That in the industry. Toby, you have been really out there on the media outlets. You've been breaking yeah, a lot of boundaries going on to primetime TV, which has been great. So we want to talk about that. I want to talk about the MVQ, maybe the, the effects of the freelancers as well and how that's impacting it and the, the, the effects of tax increases in our industry. So it's a big, honest topic. Let me kick this one off, really, Ruth. I want to talk about the post, maybe, that I saw and that How to Cut It shared. And it had you sort of, let's be honest, in your no-nonsense kind of style, sort of saying, I'm not happy about how this is being portrayed. Lead us on from that. Well, well, like you say, we all saw it. And it was um, the Salah Employers Association got some really good airtime with the BBC um, and unfortunately, I felt like how they introduced the chop the vat was chop the vat and we dropped the price um, across the industry. And for a start, that just wouldn't make any mathematical sense because you're literally taking a 20% to a 10%. So if you drop in the price, it doesn't actually solve anything. But secondly, just, I mean, I think I said it in that, in that reel that People aren't going to respect an industry that doesn't respect or value itself. And I feel like freelancers have done so much when it comes to pricing and learning how to run their businesses. I think most freelancers are really aware that they need, need help with like how to run their business properly and how to price properly. And they're so willing to learn this stuff. And, you know, they're scared of doing all this. It's big, scary things for a stylist to just go freelance and start running their own business and not have someone at the, the reception to tell someone else the price. You know, this is all the stuff I hear when I do one-to-ones. And it's not just freelancers. It's actually small salon owners have the same fear. Um, and so, yeah, to have a prime time slot and to sort of say to the public, you know, if we chop the fat, you're going to get a cheaper haircut was just, it felt like we were, all the work we've done going forwards it's just in one fell swoop, just getting undone and um, cutting the price of a haircut. It's, what is that going to do? You know, what? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I think it did light things up. It, it certainly lit up my phone when it went out. And, uh, and Toby, I mean, to be fair to Toby, he got in touch straight away with us, Toby. And I think you were concerned by how this was being perceived. Yeah. I think, I think any editorial, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have, uh, editorial control over anything that happens and, and a, a tiny, what we're trying to do first and foremost is get a simple message out. We're really highly taxed as an industry across the board because we add our value through labor. And if you don't cut back to 10%, you're going to end an industry or certainly a large part of it. And, and we can talk more about those subjects afterwards. I understand and agree that it's absolutely not about cutting prices. Out of 100 people I've spoken to, 99 of them totally agree. At the end of the day, this is about providing margin it's about providing respect for our industry. I think our industry is monstrously disrespected. I think without besmirching them too much, the BBC didn't, you know, they did the usual pat on the head, you're just a hairdresser thing, and that is upsetting. And all I'm trying to do is raise the profile of our industry to the point where people understand it. Because right now, hospitality are going for this cut, and we need to be on their coattails because we were left behind last time, and it it ended a lot of people's businesses. And there's a lot of anecdotal stuff that I've got about the people we're fighting for and so on and so on. I can, I can talk about that if that's interesting. Um, mm. I t- I t- what, what I would jump in very quickly on there, Toby, and I hear what you're saying and I know the message you're at. Would it have been a good idea for somebody of the Salon Employers Association or another federation to come out and say, look, the BBC have got that wrong, or did you? And I missed that because that would stop a lot of these posts because people will only see, as what you say, a snapshot on social media. Wrongly, rightly, but that's what we when see. You're running, when you're running the whole thing yourself and, you know, people that you're working with have got other, other commitments and so on and so on, yeah, and you're doing it 24-7, it's not possible to do all of that. And I apologise if that's the way things came across. I mean, of course, it would have been useful. It would have been useful if we all had big PR teams. But, you know, I've done this for two to three years now, probably two days a week, because I care so much. And I want stylists to be respected and looked after and paid properly. And that's the real reason. So, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. The other side to it is at least the conversation's being had. And if it means in the end, we actually all end up coming together, which, you know, there's five groups that have come together, uh, which include the Freelance Headers Association, MH Fed, Hera Barber Council and the Fellowship, those organisations all have come together to sit around the table and talk about this. And others have chosen not to be part of the conversation. And if Ruth or any other organisations want to be part of the conversation, then we'll have an open day. We'll bring everyone in so everyone can be represented. Because I think that's... I'd actually love that, Toby, because I know um, last year I left a comment on one of your posts, maybe yours on the Salon Employers Association, and someone replied and asked me to DM them because they'd love to speak to me. And I did. And no one replied. Um, that, was, that was me. I'll put my hands yeah. up. So, I mean, I would love to be part of this discussion because I think the other thing that people have got really riled up about is the way that the Salon Employers Association seem to just constantly voice their disdain for the freelance sector of this industry. Um, and I'm a big believer that I don't know who said it someone probably old and long dead, you know, you divide and you conquer. So the industry being divided isn't strong. So I feel like when I speak for freelancers, when I think the narrative that's been getting pushed that freelancers are tax dodgers, 
that's not winning the Salon Employers Association any help with backing this. And I do believe a VAT cut would be helpful. So, yeah, I'd, yeah I, I, I'd love to be part of the conversation in finding these solutions. I think if you look at the post and you look at the first news post of all, it said, I understand why people are choosing to change business model. I worry about the legality of it. They, they were the exact words that I used. I did not say people were tax dodgers. Absolutely not. I did talk about and have talked about tax avoidance, which is completely legal if done properly. So tax avoidance is something that big companies do across the board. And I understand why anybody would do it. But my concern is that because we're not together, we've got big organizations like the HMRC making tax law that none of us understand. And believe me, they couldn't even answer a question this morning that I wanted to check on VAT law. Um, and we may get left alone. There are, there are freelance businesses and chair renting businesses being fined an enormous amount of money. And there's a huge amount of uh, of tax law that probably none of us even know exists. And they're the things that I really worry about. So I, I, if, if that's the, if that's the message you've got, maybe from well, to, sorry, Toby, the thing is it's all over the Solomon Employers Association page. And, you know, there's, it's not just me that's seen it. There's other freelancers that have been sending me screenshots of these posts where clearly people are saying tax dodgers, tax avoiders, there's an article in the Sunday Times from September last year that talks about this. Um, another, there's a girl that went from being employed in a salon to self-employed to now owning a fantastic salon in Cardiff that is a self-employed salon, a co-working space. And she sent me a post of the day, very hurt by what the Salon Employers Association collectively are saying. I think one of your members has a page where, you know, she continually pushes this Quite an ins- it's re- it is really insulting. And when you think about, you know, collectively the people that work in this industry, predominantly women, and then really predominantly, you know, marginalised people that work in this industry, you know, you, to just come out and start saying that these people that are building businesses to allow people to work flexibly and have an uncapped income are glorified landlords. That's another thing that's been said by your association, tax dodgers and tax avoidance. It's, I've, I've never who seen. Does that I've, help at I've all? Never seen anyone from our organisation say that? Myself and Helen run 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 the run the posts. I put things up that we have never said people are tax dodgers. I have okay. talked talked about tax avoidance and um, and I've said that I question the legality of some of these things and I'll and I'll talk about those things as we go through. I'll, I'll talk about specific tax law that I, concerns me. And, and things that are coming that really concern me that mean that we probably need to pull together and we can either choose to do that with the Freelance Address Association and the rest of the uh, personal care cross-organisational group or we can, we can try and divide it, like, you, like you've said, divide and conquer. And it's and it's great to hear, Ruth, and, and it's not a, an, an attack because I know what you're doing, Toby, and I know the Salon Employers Association, what you're doing. I guess for me, maybe could we see some of the other groups with inside the personal care sector come out and speak a little bit more about this? Because I feel you're the front man and I admire you for that. I think you do it so well and you speak so honestly and I know your heart's in but maybe I would say, you know, I know you're doing a talk later, aren't you, on Creative yeah. Head? But I, I feel like we need to see more 
out there on a social front from other representations. There's certainly the or, or just or just all come together for one 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 big thing where we have. What what stops us doing this? I don't know. Absolutely, it's it's the narrative. What stops you is the narrative that's been pushed. I get freelancers all the time screenshot me posts comments that they've replied to. Like one girl this morning saying, "I feel really hurt by what's been written." She didn't get a response to the comment and posted another comment underneath and said no response. You know, this is what I'm talking about. You can't just go into an industry and say you care, but then insult seventy percent of them. Let's start with that. Seventy percent, right? So. The 70% comes from the number of businesses in this country. The 70% is 11,000 veterans of business at around 49,000, uh, sorry, around 49,000 business total. So 38,000. So I agree with 70 to 80%. Of those, of those, the employee, employed companies or vet registered companies employ roughly 40 to 45% of the industry and they turn over 60% of the income. So, this has all been done since because that 70% figure has been thrown around and used possibly against our industry in certain ways. So that, that, that needs correcting and we need to tr- understand all of the numbers properly because the percentages can be very confusing. I, if, if you're offended by the narrative, I'm really, really sorry about that. But I work alongside the Freelance Headers Association and yeah. I, I'll apologize for anything anyone said, but from a personal perspective, that's not my aim. And I'll tell you the things that I really, really concern me coming up. At least we can ho- hopefully talk about those because, because, uh, you know, personal things have been said. We can talk about, we can talk about different taxes. We can talk about how VAT is applied or different taxes applied. There's a lot. There's a, quite a few attacks around, um, the fact that we're millionaire salon owners and where, um, what else has been said? Millionaire salon owners and, you know, uh, Salons have had it easy for years and so on and so on. And those- are, you, are you referring to a common post, or a recent post, yes, Toby, yes. that I saw yeah. with, with Errol? Yeah, because I, I saw those comments. So, so we can, let, 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 let's at least try and go through, through, the, through the narrative. And then anyone, you know, at the end of the day, we have to get to a place that works for the industry. The one thing that really, really concerns me and that's coming up right now is something that were buried in the autumn statement. And that is the Uber VAT ruling. Do, do you know anything about that, either of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know about that. No, no explain. Okay, so Uber versus Sefton. Uber took a private um, private hire company in the northeast uh, to court to force them to charge VAT because Uber drivers have to charge VAT. The the, the, the company said, well, all these people are self-employed. They're all below the VAT threshold. And Uber won in the high court very recently that every single one of them, even if they're turning over 20 grand, has to charge VAT on what they do. So what really concerns me is that in November 2023 that came out, all, all private hire companies going forward in the sector now have to pay VAT for service-based industries. And what that means is that in... In the autumn statement, the government published that they would be announcing uh, a review of all service-based industries and VAT. Now, if we don't come together and work on this, they'll just bring it in. And then every single service-based industry will have to pay 20% VAT. And I really think that will kill our industry stone dead. So first and foremost, I'm very, very concerned about that. And I'd like us to work together as we spoke before, Ruth. The other thing that I don't think many people understand is there is a bunch of tax laws out there um, that cover our industry. And the first of those is a thing called VTAX per 69100. 
agreed by the NHF in 1996 that has guidelines specific to our industry about chair rental and about about uh, salons that do chair renting. That if you if you don't follow those guidelines, you are at risk of being sued by the government. And I'm sure in those, I'm sure you you talk about them. But there's a whole host of self-employed salons out there that do not. Now, Ruth, you may well advise. I I do, Toby, when I see them, yeah. I'm sure you do. I do. What What I'm saying is there is almost a wild west where people have 10 employees and the very next day they say you're all self-employed and and that is very much frowned upon and very likely to be taken seriously by the by the tax threshold so i'm not talking about people that have chosen to do things properly i'm not talking about people in their homes i'm not talking about freelancers as i say we work closely with 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 um uh sheila but i am saying if we don't do this together we're going to get hammered and there are other tax laws as well there's another one called vat lp 198 uh, i've written it down cuz i can't remember all these things which is specific to chair rental and VAT income from chair rental. So that law came in in 2012 and VAT was ruled to be applicable to all chair rental services. And if you are a salon owner who is working in that salon and taking money, whatever level, you have to add that income to your income to make sure you stay below the VAT threshold because otherwise – you do something called VAT splitting, which they which they talk about as legal or illegal. And so little of this is known throughout the industry, so little, that we need all the organisations to come together to publish proper guidelines. We've got the most complicated tax laws in the world in this country, and they can catch anyone out at any time. And that means that people get taken to court consistently. So those are the things that really concern me. Um and, you know, uh, th- that's what I think we need to come together to work on. What, what's your thoughts there is, on There that, is Ruth? something else as well, because Ruth's also mentioned. Let me, let me just come to Ruth. <laughs> well, I, I, agree, I agree with a lot of this. I feel like when it comes to not just like the self-employed model, but I do agree with you. I think there's a complete lack of knowledge as to how to actually run some of these models. I spoke to many people where they've decided to take their salon from employed to self-employed. And they're doing this split with money. And one of the things, the first things I say to them is like, if you're renting a chair in that salon, are you giving them the rent at the end of the week or are they giving you money? Because although a lot of this is gray areas from the HMRC, you know, one of the things I always say to these salon owners is at the end of the day, you are liable to get sued. Because if you're, if someone's coming in and exchanging their time and you're giving them money at the end of the week, it just possibly creates a shit show for someone, you know, because if someone, if something goes wrong, a relationship breaks down and that stylist decides they're going to go and sue that salon owner. So I agree. There's like, there's so much that people don't know about one, running our business anyway, and two, how to run the freelance or co-working space properly without ending up being implicated in any of these things. And this is where we'll come back to the, the VAT chart. I'm all for a VAT cut. And, but I do think, like I say, the, the, for me, the issue is the narrative that's been getting pushed and peddled, whether it's by you personally, Toby, or people that are associated, that's just not conductive to the whole industry getting behind this, looking at where the industry is actually going, and then 
building a path as to, you know, how we do go forward because I don't think freelancing is going to die off. I think there's always going to be space for employed salon models. I don't think, although they've dropped off from the high street, they're not like they were 30 years ago. I, d- I still think there's a place for employed salons. Uh, there isn't. That's the point. There's no money left. And that, that's really the honest truth. I mean, I'll give, you, I'll give you part of the reason why I'm so passionate about it. I understand the narrative. The narrative from your side is you're calling us all tax dodgers and, and you're doing well, this. Well, it's not, that's not from my side. That is what has been put across on okay, social media. I mean, it is, it is there in black and white. I can do more reels. <laughs> I can do more reels all day long. Okay. I could say the same when you say, um, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, yeah. the directors are, are avoiding tax and they're doing this and doing that. Well, do you no, know- no, no. I, I, I did ask the, the, the question, if we're avoiding tax, then is taking a director's salary not avoiding tax? Because there are tax loopholes in the system and I wouldn't begrudge anyone using those tax loopholes. Do you know what employer's national insurance is? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> No, I'm asking you a question. I'm, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not, not, not being condescending. Well aware, I am well, you are being condescending. I am well aware what employers' national insurance is, darling. Yes, I am. Okay. Then many, many aren't. Most people in the industry aren't. That's why I was asking that question. I'm glad you do. Employers' national insurance is 13.8%, and that's for the privilege of employing somebody. No, my business pays £180,000 a year in employers' national insurance and pensions. And I have that's a tax that I have no choice about whether I pay or not. And VAT and, and, and adds up to two, two businesses for all intents and purposes the same next door to each other. You talk about running the, the, the rent-a-chair model properly. When you look at the legislation, there are a hell of a lot of guidelines that worry me that people aren't, aren't doing it correctly. And that's what we're saying. The two different business models side by side, one pays less than half the tax of the other. And at that point, it's unsustainable. And that's what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here with the, with, with, the whole, with, the, with the whole thing. If we don't work together to balance things out, there will be nothing left of the employed model. And then there'll be nothing left of MVQs because MVQs can only be done by VAC paying and PAY paying salons. So how do you suggest that that gets, that gets sorted I think there's people, I think there's freelancers that will take on apprentices. I've had three apprentices. So how have you managed that? I'm a leader company. I have a PAYE system. So you managed I've had to sell on for 10 years. You managed to stay below the VAT threshold, but have apprentices. No. So you pay VAT? Yeah. So, so for you, then it's a good thing. Yeah, I've not said I've not said the bat chops a bad thing. I think the I, th- I agree I, with the I bat guess, chop. I guess I, I'm going to jump in really because at the end of the day, VAT is there for salon owners and self-employed, isn't it? Yeah. There, there are self-employed hairdressers now that earn very, very yeah, good money and take yeah. big money. When you're charging two fifty, three hundred pound, as many self-employed salons will do, then it's it's kind of do- so. I I kind of hear that you've both got different sides of it, and I feel. That, that we're talking about that VAT reduction now, aren't we? We need that VAT reduction for us. I welcome all, it. Regardless of if you're self-employed or if you're salon. If we do not, what are we going to, if the government keeps saying no, Toby, and they keep saying no, what's our next option? 
because otherwise our industry, as you say, is going to die. suggested it's completely transformed the way we do business because at the end of the day, whatever, whatever anyone says, one business model has a huge tax advantage over another. And that's not just hairdressing versus, versus um, self-employed or, 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 or other models. There are people out there who, who, who maintain each business below the £85,000 threshold. And that is gladly, Ruth is not talking to her, her people about that, but many, many businesses are. And, and, and you can see in all the ONS figures that there's a massive drop in the number of fat registered salons. So, so therefore, that funding is going somewhere. The, the only option, if we, don't get a, if we don't negotiate this for our industry, is to create a new model. That avoids paying tax, and and Ruth avoiding tax, as I've said before, is something that's legitimate. And if if that's the way we want to go, then that's fine. I don't think that avoiding tax and doing that in, is, is right for our high streets. I don't think it's right for our country. I wish we just had a more level tax playing field. But versus other retail business models on the high street, like a jewellers, for instance, they might pay twelve p in the pound in tax. A salon might pay thirty five p. How is that fair? Why don't we come together to lobby against that? And what? I was just going to say, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot we could lobby against when it comes to tax oh. and what people are and aren't paying. That's, yeah. But, but just, just to explain, Toby, because there'll be some people that are listening to this and they, they won't understand it. Maybe a lot of people in our industry don't actually understand this topic. So, so, you know, in, in layman terms, how do they understand what you're saying? And they're thinking, well, why? What, what is it that, that Toby means by, you know, what the retail are, are paying in VAT? It's not necessarily not. VAT. It's, over, it's overall. Uh, mm. You know, taxes, when they're applied to different businesses, um, add up in different ways. And there mm. are 10, 15 different taxes we could go out, like Ruth's already said. The truth is, right now, if they don't cut to 10%, then the VAT registered business is around half of them saying they're going to go out of business. That's where, that's where we're at. That's, that's the story. Uh, and, you, and we are at that situation. I, we, I hosted the Weller Red event. There was a, a great speaker there, and he was asking me, you know, what, what the be ahead of his conversation or his keynote topic? He said, what are some of the problems in the industry right now? So you could imagine my first topic was yeah. this. Oh. Number one. He said, well, why does that matter? Well, everybody's the same. Why, why is your industry any different? Well, why should you have a lower VAT? Um, I'll let Ruth answer it and then I'll add it. I'm sure she's got. Well, it's interesting Ruth. actually because my parents have run a very niche, um, it's a garage and they prep off-road vehicles to go over land and they've had it for over 40 years now. And again, they're a very labour-heavy industry. They're VAT registered, they import and export goods. Um, and for them, it's, it's, so it's been really interesting because I've also been having this conversation with them about the VAT. Um, and again, it's a labor heavy industry. And, you know, to me, when I, when I talk about VAT and I speak to other small salons about VAT and freelancers, I always say to them, the thing with VAT is it's a tax that's added to the price of that service, to my mind. Like I do, I price my services. And they include all the running costs, the overhead, product costs, profit. And then we add the VAT onto it because that's the tax that the client has to pay. When you're VAT registered, you become a tax collector. So you essentially then collect that money and give it to the tax man. It's not my money. 
it's the taxman's money. And then it depends on what VAT scheme you are on. You either claim some of that VAT back that you've paid in products, or if on the flat rate, you don't claim any of it back, but you obviously collect a less amount. So, yeah, I was talking to my parents and they were just like, well, you collect that VAT, it's not your money. You collect it for the tax money and it gets paid. So they were kind of like, the idea that that's your money is a little bit mad. And for them, they were just like, yeah, they, they just sort of said, well, if we had a VAT cut, obviously, again, I think what we're not talking about here is if we get a VAT cut here, we then increase our profit margins because we're not having to pay over 20% to the, the tax man where they're only delivering 10% to the tax man rather than giving the 20%. So it means that our profits are going to go up. I think that's what we need to elaborate. And pay staff more. Yeah, ideally. I think that's what we need to elaborate on. But I think, Toby, like, I do think for years, for years and years and years, and this is probably the problem we've got with salon owners and um, freelancers, and I hear this all the time, is we can't match what a freelancer can earn. Um, and one thing I would say about salons, they do pay more tax um, than the shop next door. There's definitely a salon that's got you know, five, 10, 20 stylists in, they're paying more tax than me because essentially you've got more streams of revenue coming into that business than just me on my own, you know, in, in my salon on the high street. Um, yes, tax is complicated. Yes, tax is annoying. Um, but the more money you make, the more tax you do tend to pay. Um, but I am absolutely all for a back court and I do think that would help increase the profits. And as Dom's just said, I think that would be great to be able to pass some of that on to um, stylists that are, you know, in this industry or to be able to fund getting apprentices on board. I think that's absolutely what people would do. I think, I think, you know, literally every business I speak to at the moment is saying they're going to cut pretty much all their apprentices because they have, there's nothing left in the margin. And I'm really pleased for you, Ruth, that you're, you, you've thought this through and you've got it this way. And I, that's great for you, but there are so many that haven't. There are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of responses that say things like, uh, I own three salons with 30 employees and turned over just a, over a million. I now have got one with four employees and turned over 200K, uh, less than my sister who's on benefits, and I'm working now to get my taxes off. You know, that's one, that's one of those 300. Um, I'm working really hard to keep my business afloat. I had a stroke in January, but luckily made a good recovery and returned to work after four weeks. I couldn't afford to keep my business closed. I can't, ha- I can't afford to have more staff, and by the time pension that I contributions go out, there's nothing left. You know, and it's just... Does that, Toby, come back to a pricing issue? No, there is no more pricing in it, Ruth. I'm really pleased that you've got that. And I'm really pleased that you, you're, you're where you are. There is no more on that. On the, there's no more that you can go to. When you put your prices up across the board, people are stretching appointments and doing that. And it's fantastic that you're doing so well, but the industry isn't. The industry isn't. And I'm really pleased for you. But if we don't come together to work for this... Then, then, then you're going to just see a wholesale closure and people getting hammered. It's really look. If you, if you want an answer on VAT and why it's so punitive or the taxes are so punitive, we have six times more people in salons than they do in traditional retail. That means every time there's an increase in any tax or any costs that are about people, it hits salons six times harder. So national wage for 21 year old apprentices it's going to cost 50 grand to train an apprentice now you know that Ruth yeah but then what does that apprentice bring back to the business so when you think about apprentices so we hear this all the time Toby we can't afford to take on an apprentice right well you need to price for that apprentice you need to look at that apprentice and think okay if it's going to cost 50 grand 
But what is that apprentice bringing back? What is the return on that? Because most apprentices don't just go into a salon and then exit as soon as they've, they've finished. Uh, anecdotally, that's exactly what's happening. Exactly what's happening. Because there is, because, because there's, they're lured by a different, everything on social media and what's going on and so on and so on. You know, since, since 1999, employers' dash insurance has gone up 38% un, unfettered. VAT has gone up by 33% from 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. Pensions have come in at 3% mm-hmm. contributions. The margin is tiny. Why, and why aren't the prices going up, Toby? Because they can't. What do you mean they can't? There's oh. like water's wet, death is imminent, and prices go up. My price is up by 14% last year, right? Yeah. And 10 to 15% less customer visits. They're not, not coming back, but they are stretching things out. I, I, like I said, I'm really, really happy that your business is working that way. And I'm really, really happy for anyone that is. But it's not like that across the industry. That's not where we are. And that's why we're fighting so hard. And I am pleased for you. That's great. But it's not the truth. It's not what's happening. And I'm just I'm just simply asking, is this not, you know, the question was the profits are squeezed because the costs to actually deliver the service has gone up. I mean, it just feels like to my mind when the cost to deliver a service or, you know, the cost to get a product from China landed here to resell, if the cost has gone up, the price must also go up. I mean, yeah, but you're, you're talking about labor, which already has 33 percent of its costs as tax. So you add all your value through labor, you pay all of the VAT. You might claim back one penny out of 20. Okay. And it goes to the end consumer. If you're sitting next door to somebody who doesn't charge VAT, yeah. you, you, can charge, you have to charge 120 quid in your business to, to compete. And we have to charge 135 to 140 quid because of the additional taxes that employers pay. The, the market won't take that. And it's really, really great if, if, if some of your businesses do and you personally do, but that's not what's out there in, 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 on the. So when you say not out there, Toby, who, who are we talking to? Who, is this what you're hearing back from who? Okay. So we did, we, we've done the survey. There were 600 responses and it was across the whole industry. I know some people have said that's not very many. It's more than any other survey that's been, been done in the industry before. And it's more than L'Oreal would put. Eight out of ten women think this this product is perfect. You know, on their thing, they might use might use eighty seven respondents. So it's from the survey. It's been balanced all the way through, and it's also from anecdotal evidence. I've spoken to literally hundreds. I've read every single comment, and every single one says the same. It might be that everyone needs you know roots coaching, and everyone needs to put their prices up by twenty percent, and that would solve the problem. And I'd, I'd love it if they would. But the point is, at the moment, we've got an unle- unlevel playing field, some undercut, some pay less, and that just forces prices down consistently. And I would never cut my prices, and I would never discount, and I would never suggest that you would reduce your prices when VAT goes down. So I can- you're, you're premium locations, aren't you, Toby? Yeah, I'm very, very lucky in that respect. But the margin is slim as slim as slim right now. And that's the same across the board. And so, so the industry, unfortunately, we're seeing such changes that's going on outside of all of our lifestyle, cost of living, all of that. Is it just that our industry as well cannot cater to be high street premium locations anymore? Has it got to go back to being a little bit like it had to be in the 70s, 80s, upstairs, basement? Is it because suddenly 
things have changed. We can't afford to be there. Have we got to look at different ways? As you said, we've got to look at how we run our businesses. Have we got to be different? I think think consumer spending's changed. I think the way the client wants to be service has changed. And I think that's making it harder on salons. Um, You know, we used to have salons where it was 20, 25 stylists and people were in back to back and, you know, you had that salon buzz, that salon vibe. Um, You know, I have clients in here that tell me they, and I I feel like this is part of the after effects of COVID. After COVID, we were all told we had to do one in, one out. That was never really a thing before COVID. Clients enjoyed it. Stylists enjoyed the slower pace. And that's where I think it's hard for salons to, like, how do you price to do a one-to-one service? And if consumers and clients are preferring that kind of appointment, I, I agree that's where it's getting really, really hard for those kind of salons to survive. Um, I would say I've done that for 26 years in my salons. We've priced by time since at the day dot. Our stylists look after me from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's always been the way we've done things. So I can say specifically from, from my point of view, we put our prices up by 14% on average. And as I said, we have seen 12% of that disappear in, 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 in stretching of visits. Maybe there's less things. I would say it would be a tragedy, Dom, if, if, if there weren't high street arrangements. I agree with Ruth in terms of the way the consumer spend has gone. And I think, yes, people do need to change and they do need to be wise and they do need to do need to give people what they want. And that's a great experience, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we all know that high streets are on a huge slide, on a huge demise. Salons bring millions and millions and millions of people into the high street every week. They're probably the most important thing that you do. Stylists are incredible people. They are emotionally intelligent. They 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 are people's counsellors. They, they make people feel amazing. They don't just do hair. Hairdressers are massively, massively undervalued. Huge. And that Hugely. We can agree on And it's, it's embarrassing the way we're treated. Um, I, God, I, I agree completely. I, so, I could not, yeah, second that okay. enough. Well, this is a nicer way to... <laughs> no, but look, I, I think what I'm, I'm loving what you're both doing because you're both honest and you've both got your... Your opinions. I don't think there's any form of attacking. If we don't have these conversations, then we're never going to come together. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I feel sometimes we're all talking, but if we f- we throw any element of criticism at this group, that group, this group, then all it does is separates. Sure. And I think I've always found if I have an honest conversation with my closest friends, and quite often we disagree, and it'll be heated, <laughs> as we all do. But that's good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, like we can't all, we all want yeah. the right thing. You're fighting for salons, Toby. I get that. You are under the personal See, that's, care. I'm specifically fighting for, for VAT registered PAY paying salons. Actually, Ruth is VAT registered and PAY paying. So like me, trading in a similar way. She also, she also teaches um, self-employed how to do different things and potentially guides people in those self-employed salon environments. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, I mean, circling back to what you, I think you touched on before about just the whole about registration and the rent chair thing and people don't know how to actually run that. Like I, I scroll through Facebook, or I hate Facebook, but I scroll through it all the time and I see people commenting about stuff like this and I'm straight in there to be like, that is absolutely not your that, that, when you when you talk about disguised employment, you know the disguised employment to me is people going into a rent chair model 
and then saying, you have to turn up this time, you have to do this, and I'm going to give you 40% at the end of the week. And I am on there actively being like, absolutely not. Your boss could get sued. And again, an absolute shitstorm could come their way. So basically, we're completely agreeing, even though we've had this other stuff. The truth is, I completely agree with that. I My concern is that that is so rife across our industry and so unchecked that there's hundreds of salon owners who don't know they're doing things wrong. And there's thousands and thousands of, 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 of workers who, who don't know they're doing things wrong. So as I said at the very, very beginning, why don't we sit down? I'm not perfect. I didn't respond to your thing. We didn't have a conversation. I apologize for that. But I've also tried to run a business, trying to run this for two days a week, trying to raise the profile. And like you are, <laughs> and I'll, say, I'll, I'll apologize for that. Okay. But I'd love you to come along and, and, and say how you feel about it. Cause I think there's way, way, way more that you and I agree about than disagree about. Uh, Toby, I agree. <laughs> I'm glad you've got there. <laughs> but, 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 and, and I, I, I'm so glad that I brought you two together because you're both really good voices and you speak it so well and never is anything a personal attack what are some key points that you make sure that you want people to take away from this what do they need to know where how do we act what why we don't we put do? some links into the documents we're talking about and the things we're talking about and then everyone can read them and go what the fuck does that genuinely because i don't know and then the next thing we do is we ask ruth to come and join the personal care group and sit down with us and talk about what she wants to do and she can help us lobby HMRC for correct information that is understood by industry. In September last year, I sat down with HMRC. They promised us proper guidelines and videos that would everyone could understand, right? Because don't disrespect us, okay? Hairdressers are incredible people, but, you know, reading contracts and legal legalese is not one of those specialties. It's not even one of mine. So, so, so let's actually say from this day forward, let's try and sit together. Let's try and actually work out what's going on. Let's make sure that when that VAT thing comes around the corner from, from Uber and the government, don't slide that one in and kick us, kick us in the nuts again or whatever. And, 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 and let's go from there. You know, we need to get the information across the industry. And the problem is right now, it's like the Wild West. Everyone's commenting, posting, putting out bad information, I suspect, Ruth, and I've seen plenty of it. Um, and we need to we need to get rid of that so that we can rebuild. And 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 at the end of the day, that's what I, I, I would hope would happen. Yeah. Great. And maybe you could share some of those links with us, Toby, and I'll put them into the show notes uh, for people to to go and check out, to go and follow, to signpost you all to the right places. Um, and that. what about you, Ruth? How, how would you like to just bring this to an end from your your side? I ultimately what I want is I like I've seen Errol talk about getting a unified unified voice. I would like a unified voice. I do think we definitely we definitely deserve a backcourt. I do not understand why during lockdown. Um, we didn't get a back cut and the hospitality sector did and they were allowed to work. I mean, yeah, it baffles me why we did not get that. So I think we absolutely deserve it. Um, it'd be a very, very much a welcome, a welcome thing for the industry, but I would not, I do not want to see the death of the likes of the big salons that treat their staff well, that, um, raise really good apprentices. I was part of that. You know, I've been in this industry for 20 years. I was part of that. I don't want to see the death of that. Do I think it will change slightly? Yes, I do. But I think the employed model and the self-employed model, whether that's a solo worker, whether it's a part-time single mom, just, you know, trying to get by, 
or it's co-working salons. Like, I mean, Samantha Cusick's done a great one in London, Stay Studios. I think the industry, the landscape's changing, but I do think we need to find a way through this so that salons don't just become obsolete because I absolutely think there's a place for them. And I think there's a place for employment. I know freelancing's glamorized, and I do do a bit, a bit of content about how it is not for everyone because it isn't, you do not clock it off at five o'clock. You do not, you know, it's, it's not this glamorous thing. It is for those who want to do it. But I do absolutely think there's a place for employment. I think there's a lot of people that still want to be employed. And so I think it would be a shame to lose those, those business models because where do they go? Thank you. And I just saw Toby put his hand up. I think you just wanted something to add. You can read between the lines in any which way you like. The personal care sector across a group for government, was we were split out of hospitality just before the VAC. That was set up by a bunch of organisations who got in there first. I was in the first meeting on COVID. So COVID was, was where it all came about initially. Uh, COVID's where, where the discussion came. And then two organisations, unnamed, got involved with government and negotiated with them. Okay? And they made the case that... Well, they, they didn't make the case particularly strongly, and, I, and, and you will probably find out shortly uh, what I think about that. Um, but those two organisations represented us. One of them specifically keeps telling government we're in growth constantly, 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 um, and I'll send Ruth some different details on that later. Um, and the other doesn't really understand the issues and therefore they let that happen. And that would have saved our industry. We were allowed to be pushed out of, of hospitality we're trying really hard not to be pushed out of when hospitality get this again but i can tell you the people that were representing us did a bad job that's my opinion and i'll leave it at that <laughs> you leave us all guessing well look i i think this is exactly where i wanted to go thank you so much to the pair of you for taking the time and and speaking so on openly passionately but there's one common thing that comes out of it we all want that with you. Now, if you have any thoughts or comments to add to that conversation today, we would love to hear from you. Tag us at How To Cut It on social media and let's keep that conversation going on what is a big and sensitive subject. Thank you for joining me for today's episode and be sure to join us this Friday for Cut To The News where I'll bring you the latest headline news and the bite-sized stories that are making the cut in the ever-evolving hair industry. So make sure to not miss out on our Friday and midweek episodes by subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts from. I look forward to catching up with you on Friday. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Cut to the News with Dom Lehane, a podcast produced and published by the How to Cut It Network, a hair professional network, podcasts and community at howtocutit.com.